Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Today, we're updating a few items related to the police shooting of 13-year-old Adam Toledo. Lawyers and leaders in the Latino community are asking the Department of Justice to investigate Toledo's shooting. In other news, 21-year-old Ruben Roman has been released on bond. His bail was paid for by the nonprofit Chicago Community Bond Fund. He was with Adam the night of the shooting and has been charged with firing his gun before police arrived. Here with more is Andrea Lyon, a criminal defense lawyer and former public defender. Also with us is Megan Cropo, criminal courts reporter for the Chicago Tribune. Megan, before we get into these calls for the DOJ to get involved, can you just update us on the latest in this case? Oh, there is a lot going on with this case. Uh, As you mentioned, Ruben Roman was bonded out over the weekend. Actually, he had two bails to pay, a total of $40,000 paid by a charitable bond fund. When a judge noted that in court just yesterday, he kind of raised his eyebrows saying that, well, that's a lot of money and a lot of other people in the jail probably could have used that. However, uh, when I talked to the director of the bond fund yesterday, she said that bailing out Mr. Roman is directly in line with their mission, and they feel that he's being scapegoated for Adam Toledo's shooting. Tell us more about the the Chicago Community Fund. What's their mission? Well, it's a charitable bond fund, and it's uh, my understanding is it's sort of a, a rotating fund of money. They will pay bond for people to get out of jail pre-trial if they can't afford the bond. Once those cases that they've paid the bond on uh, are disposed, whether at trial or a plea or dropped or however, the bond money goes back into the fund and then can pay another person's bail. I see. What sort of rumblings are you hearing about Ruben Rahman being released from prison? How's that going over with with people? Well, I, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, the judge kind of looked askance at it. I think that it's an extraordinarily high-profile case with a lot of emotions running high. When I spoke with the director of the bond fund, she said, look, we are about the presumption of innocence and protecting that, and that's all the more important in a high-profile case. I I know you said at the top of of this segment that Mr. Roman had been charged with gun crimes, and that's correct. He's charged with gun possession and reckless discharge, I should note, though, that he's also charged with child endangerment. Basically, prosecutors are saying that if Adam Toledo had not been with him that night, potentially he would not have been shot and killed by Chicago police. That Roman, the older man, was a one of the causes, essentially, of this child's death. Andrea, let's let's bring you into the conversation here. What are your sure. what are your thoughts on this case? Well, first of all, um, you know. Not to just bring up an old trope, but it's not the crime, it's the cover-up, always. And why the Chicago police or the prosecutor's office said that this you know, child had a gun in his hand when they had photographic evidence that he didn't have it in his hand is troubling, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, regarding the question of whether or not the police officer who shot him was acting you know, reasonably or not reasonably, that is something that needs to be investigated thoroughly. It's a different situation because we are talking about guns having been fired, a gun in somebody's hand. That being said, we are also talking about a seventh grader, a child, 
And what is the worst thing that would have happened had the officer not shot him? He would have run away. And wouldn't that be better? Do you expect criminal charges or disciplinary action against the officer who killed Adam? I think disciplinary action is more likely. There is a uh, higher standard to meet when you're talking about a criminal charge. He would have to have been not only acting recklessly or with reckless disregard, but he would have to have also uh, known that his actions were likely to cause death or great bodily harm and, and not have been acting in self-defense or in his perceived self-defense. I think it would be very difficult for the prosecution to sustain their burden of proof in a uh, prosecution. Um, perhaps an involuntary manslaughter charge might be forthcoming, but I think it unlikely. That being said, I do think it's likely that there will be action that is taken by the Chicago Police Department to discipline this person and, you know, a long overdue look at when one should chase somebody and if you're going to chase somebody, when you should fire a gun. It seems like it's been a while for any disciplinary action to have been taken. Yes, and that is the other issue. Yeah, it seems Um, like it's taking forever. It takes forever, therefore, to actually happen, and it has only been very, very recently that there has been any uh, tracking of officers. That is where you can say, well, this officer has never done anything wrong before, has never been charged with anything, versus this is, you know, complaint 89. There was a study that was done by the University of Chicago some years ago where they discovered that 85% of the complaints filed against police officers were against the same 5% of police officers. You don't have to be a genius to figure out that that's a problem and why the police department does not look at that as an issue, uh, I don't know. Megan, it's, it's being reported that Latino community leaders and lawyers are calling for the Department of Justice to step in here and to investigate the case. What are you hearing? You know what, what I, where my ear is to the ground is here in Cook County, where, as Andrea was saying, uh, prosecutors are trying to determine whether or not to charge this particular officer criminally. Now, I think what you can call for on the federal DOJ level is a little bit broader, and it involves civil rights. I, I think what needs to be clear is that these different kinds of investigations have different scopes and different ends, right? As, as Andrea was saying earlier, There's a different standard and a different uh, uh, set of evidence that you can use when when you're talking about a criminal charge against a police officer versus a uh, disciplinary proceeding against a police officer, right? And when you involve the federal DOJ, you're talking about whether or not there's uh, have been broader civil rights violations, right? So, So there's a lot in the mix here. And I know that it feels like a long time since this shooting, but relatively speaking, I'd say we're in the very early stages. I think we'll be reading about this for quite a while. Andrea, what would it take for the DOJ to step in here, and how might their involvement impact the case? If the DOJ steps in, they would be taking a look to see whether the the Chicago police in this instance or in a broader sense have been violating the civil rights of communities, uh, particularly communities of color in in Chicago. Um, The short answer to that is, yes, they have for a very, very long time. And the question would be then whether or not the consent decree would be modified 
to take into account this particular kind of behavior, whether there would be a civil rights prosecution by the Department of Justice of the officer involved and perhaps other officers that, that were connected to this particular shooting, or whether the federal government would consider uh, criminal prosecution, which I would deem as highly unlikely. But one of the things about having the Department of Justice come in and take a look is that they have some distance from the city and from the county in the, in the sense that it isn't their officers, it isn't their prosecutors, it isn't, you know, it isn't any of those things. Mm-hmm. And they have the opportunity to take a look and see whether there is a pattern behavior, what's referred to as Monell uh, kind of, uh, of evidence um, in, in federal courts. And they may very well do that. And Andrew, while we're talking about this police shooting of Adam Toledo, a Minneapolis jury is deliberating right now the, the verdict of, of Derek Chauvin. That's the police officer who was charged with killing George Floyd. What are you expecting might happen there? How, how long could these deliberations take? It's very hard to say. Deliberations can take a very long time when there are alternative uh, choices, which there are here, because we have a second-degree charge of murder, a third-degree charge of murder, and a second-degree charge of manslaughter. And so it may very well be that they will be debating which crime to convict uh, Mr. Chauvin of. I would be extremely surprised if he was not convicted of something. And my guess would be that they would pick the middle, uh, because jurors do tend to compromise when there's baffling evidence. And so that uh, a third-degree murder uh, conviction seems, in my view, to be most likely. One of the things that is troubling about the way the defense proceeded in this case is uh, there has been, as far as I can tell, no acknowledgement in any way about the tragedy of Mr. Floyd's death from the defense perspective. They have done nothing to express any sense of remorse, whether the former police officer was acting rightfully, wrongfully, or somewhere in the middle, someone died. And uh, there seems to be absolutely no feeling that that matters at all. Um, And Andrea, even with the track record of the lack of police convictions in, in cases like these, you're still, you would still be surprised if there is no conviction here? I would be surprised, yes, um, because you do not have a situation where someone who was actively resisting um, and, you know, those nine minutes and that smirk, they're pretty damning. Yeah. Well, that is criminal defense attorney Andrea Lyon. Also with us was criminal court reporter for the Chicago Tribune, Megan Cropo. Thank you so much for joining us. And that's today's Reset. For conversations that take you beyond the headlines, you know where to go. WBEZ's Reset. We're here for you with news, arts, and culture with a Chicago twist Monday through Friday. And we even drop bonus pods on the weekends. Make sure you're subscribed and you can even tell your smart speaker to play WBEZ's Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.